With every story we hear, listen to, read, or tell, we make basic human connections that help define who we are. Welcome to Afterwards Paranormal, the podcast devoted to those stories that tell us who we are when we're in the dark. Listen closely now. The dark is speaking, and the need to be heard never dies. Hello, and welcome to the 27th episode of Afterwards Paranormal. I'm your host, Shelby. I cannot believe how much this podcast is growing. It means the world to me that you are tuning in and listening to my podcast. Thank you so much. Let's get right to a big welcome to Danielle, April, Kevin, Nora, Elizabeth, Debbie, Lisa, Cheryl, Sheena, Bray, Carmen, and Holly. You were all my superheroes. What do you think, Mrs. Grimley? Oh, well, superheroes, yes. Up, up, and away! Oh, sorry. Just consider that a little poltergeist activity. I'll clean that up later. This episode is all about the unfinished business of the dead, and if indeed they can reach across the veil to communicate what it is they want from us. Also, how do they do that? Is it possible for them to manipulate modern technology, such as telephones or the internet, to communicate? The spirit with the unfinished business is a frequent and well-known theme in ghost stories. Let's look at some instances of ghosts with unfinished business. For ghost story plots, you don't necessarily need ancient history or the tale of a crumbling castle. You just need unfinished business. A character dying under mysterious circumstances, for instance, foul play is confirmed, but the murderers are never brought to justice. Perhaps an untimely death stops the completion of a crucial task or lifelong goal. Something terrible or tragic happens, and the spirit of the victim is in so much pain, despair, or feels such outrage that they can't move past the veil. A piece of them remains to catch their killer or reveal the whereabouts of Aunt Maud's fortune. A spirit revealing that unfinished business creates a highly effective plotline that goes something like this. Something, either evil or benign, happens to someone who dies. Sometime later, their spirit reveals itself to others, peacefully or violently, which leads to the questions, why haven't they moved on and what do they want? An investigation into the past, far or present, reveals the story of the spirit and what it might want. The main characters placate it either by giving it what it is seeking or hearing its message. If the spirit will not be satisfied, they find some way to force it to move on. For example, without the visit from his father's murdered spirit, Hamlet would have never discovered the murder or his murderer. There's lots of sword clashing and death along the way, but by the play's conclusion, the mystery is solved and the ghost's vengeance ultimately dealt. Ghosts are often tied to a place where they lived out their lives or to events and people who were involved with those lives. For some, their unfinished business might be caring for their loved ones. They might come back to visit for several reasons, 
just popping in to say hello, letting you know that they are there, to act as guardian over children. Being invisible guests at a wedding or graduation, to see a new baby, or to pass on a message to loved ones still living. Are there other reasons folks might hang around after shuffling off the mortal coil? Here are some ideas. 1. Haunt their killer until they confess. 2. Kill their killer, if they're pressed for time. 3. Finish writing an important book or journal. 4. Fix the error in a scientific formula they were creating to cure a terrible disease or so it wouldn't destroy the world. Number five, make amends. Six, find someone to help them work through their confusion and fear after their death. Seven, find that one last item that would have completed their very extensive collection. Tell the person who killed them that they are forgiven. Say goodbye to their pet. Or, if the spirit is of the pet, say goodbye to its master. Make sure their children are responsible with their inheritance. Tell their kid not to follow in their footsteps. Return a stolen item to its original owner. Number 13. Have a treasured possession buried with their corpse. 14. Return a treasured possession that was buried with their corpse. 15. Lead authorities to their missing corpse so they discover the cause of death and hunt down the murderer. 16. Pass on the entrance code to a secret room. 17. Have their funeral rites read and their body laid to rest. 18. Say a last goodbye to a loved one. 19. To confess their love for someone they were too afraid to tell while alive. 20. Pass on the location of a hidden life savings. 21. Find their missing child. 22. Have proper funeral rites read from their chosen religion. 23. Feel someone's intimate embrace once more through a willing participant's possession. 24. Change someone's mind about a controversial topic. 25. Take one more breath of air. 26. Rid the world of an evil, metaphysical item that is not easily destroyed. 27. Bring their bones to their ancestor's tomb. 28. Make sure the rightful heir sits upon the throne. 29. Help end a war. And 30. Finish a masterpiece work of art. I think it's time for another writing invitation like we did for the cemetery rules. If you would like to pick one of these ideas and write a little story or even an idea for a story and send it in, I will read it on the podcast. I'll pick one of the ideas and write a story too, which is always a confrontive yet exciting prospect. I'd also like to ask, what would you hang around for after your death? What message do you have for your loved ones? I would definitely stay to watch over my family, to love them and guide them, to clean the cat boxes regularly and clean the dryer lint trap every load. I might even soup up my ghostly powers and show them how to fold a fitted sheet. I love them so. Supposedly, the method of removing these ghosts is to communicate with them, find out what they want, try and help them find closure, or help guide them to the light that has at last come for them. 
However, as many ghost stories and films have demonstrated, you might have to duck, pull out the family Bible, or just run like hell. It all depends on the ghost. Our second question on this episode is, can spirits really use technology to communicate their needs to the living? I am a definite yes on this question. Being a paranormal investigator, I've just seen too many instances of things being lighted up or voices on a recording to think anything else. When you hear that disembodied voice answer something that you have directly asked them, it really does go clunk. There is someone there, and they are manipulating the equipment to communicate. So, could a ghost make a phone call or send an email? What gives validity to the theory that our energy remains after we die? Many say that our electric signature remains after passing. Our living energy has simply changed its form. They say energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It only changes. If this is true, then our living energy might be transformed into another form of energy when we die. Thus, a ghost of the energy we produced while living might indeed exist after death. Add to that the theory that our remaining spiritual energy fuels and is fueled by electricity, and the answer to the question, could a ghost make a phone call, leans very heavily towards yes, as our human bodies are, and the answer to the question, could a ghost make a phone call, leans very heavily towards yes. Modern technology travels through wires, fiber optics, and electromagnetic waves. A human body produces 100 watts of electricity, enough to power a light bulb. After death, couldn't that energy be used to speak, appear, or even travel? I think so. I hope so. Here's some reassurance by physicist Aaron Freeman. Invite a physicist to your funeral? Yes, and here's why. You want a physicist to speak at your funeral. You want the physicist to talk to your grieving family about the conservation of energy so they will understand that your energy has not died. You want the physicist to remind your sobbing mother about the first law of thermodynamics, that no energy gets created in the universe and none is destroyed. You want your mother to know that all your energy, every vibration, every BTU of heat, Every wave of every particle that was her beloved child remains with her in this world. You want the physicist to tell your weeping father that amid energies of the cosmos, you gave as good as you got. And, at one point, you'd hope that the physicist would step down from the pulpit and walk to your broken-hearted spouse there in the pew and tell him or her, that all the photons that ever bounced off your face, all the particles whose paths were interrupted by your smile, by the touch of your hair, hundreds and trillions of particles have raced off like children, their ways forever changed by you. As your widow or widower rocks in the arms of a loving family, may the physicist let her know that all the photons that bounced from you were gathered in the particle detectors that were her eyes, that those photons created within her constellations of electromagnetically charged neurons whose energy will go on forever. You can hope your family will examine the evidence 
and satisfy themselves that the science is sound and that they'll be comforted to know your energy is still around. According to the law of conservation of energy, not a bit of you is gone. You're just less orderly. Just a closer walk with thee. are listening to Afterwards Paranormal, the podcast that offers you dark tales from literature, lore, and you, the listener. If you're interested in contributing stories to the show, please stay tuned after the story for details. Gary L. Reiser is an American horror author best known for the novels Less Than Human, Graven Images, Sinister Purposes, and his extensive short fiction work. Reiser has written numerous short stories beginning in the 1980s in Night Cry magazine and The Horror Show, working his way into a lot of best-of anthologies. Today, Reiser concentrates primarily on screenplays and comics. His books are available on Amazon, and this story can be found in the book 100 Little Ghastly Ghost Stories. He currently lives in Kentucky. You can see his awesome comics on his Facebook page. And now, The Nightcaller by G. L. Reiser. Sherry Elder's descent into madness began on a Thursday. It was 8 o'clock in the evening, and she was stacking the dinner dishes. For Sherry and her daughter, Amy, there would be no escape. It began quite simply when she answered the phone. Hello, she said, cupping the receiver to her ear as she examined a water-spotted glass. Dead silence greeted her. She pushed back hair that was beginning to show the first signs of gray and waited for the caller to speak. Hello, she repeated, impatience in her voice. A crackling came this time and beneath the faintest suggestion of breathing. Who is this? she demanded. The labored breathing grew louder, and suddenly the connection was broken. Sherry replaced the phone and leaned her head against the wall. Unease settled in her stomach as she listened to the winter rain that whispered against the window. Outside, a car slowed and then drove on by. Was it a wrong number, Mummy? Startled, Sherry looked down at her daughter. Yes, it was. With a conscious effort, she brightened. Speaking of numbers, I think we should give your dad a call. Amy glanced at the phone and then fixed her mother with an incredulous expression that only a five-year-old can muster. You know we're not supposed to bother Daddy at work, lest it's really important. Sherry sighed and shadows filled her eyes. Amy picked up on the fear in her mom's voice. Is Daddy coming home soon? I don't know, sweetheart, Sherry answered distractedly. Michael's got a lot of downed phone lines to fix. What's wrong, Mommy? Nothing, nothing at all. Hey, don't you know too much worry can cause wrinkles? Without warning, she reached down and scooped up Amy. Laughing, Sherry began spinning around and around. Amy's long blonde hair floated outward, and her screams of mock fear filled the room. Amy threw her arms around Sherry's neck. Mommy... I wish Daddy didn't work so much. You do, huh? Well, that makes two of us. The little girl buried her face in the material of Sherry's sweater. 
Is Daddy really going to read me a story before I go to bed? Of course he is. Daddy said he would be home by nine, and he would never lie to his favorite girl on her birthday. As she put Amy on the couch, Sherry thought she heard the phone ring once, but there was a storm coming, so she couldn't be sure of what she heard. Maybe it was only her imagination. Later in the night, a sound awoke Sherry. It was faint, unidentifiable. She sat up in bed, wide awake, and looked around the darkened room. Something was out of kilter. When she had gone to sleep, all the lights were on. Now they were off. The storm had passed, but had taken the electricity with it. She tried to identify what had pulled her awake. Whatever it was had come from inside the house. Her eyes dared to look at the clock, and she saw that it stopped at 11.23. The sounds came again, from the kitchen this time. With a groan, she felt across the bed for Michael and found it empty. Silently, she slipped from the bed and padded down the hallway to Amy's room, and it too was empty. The house was different tonight, quiet. Without electricity, there was none of the background noises she had grown used to. The silence was oppressive. She leaned against the wall and listened as the scraping sound again drifted from the darkness. Something heavy was being dragged across the floor, and she felt a little trickle of fear. Where was Amy? Sherry groped her way into the kitchen, trying to control the shivering that seized her. Her eyes searched the room, trying to locate her daughter. And when she found Amy, it took her a moment to comprehend what she saw. Amy was perched on a chair, and the phone was pressed to her ears, her eyes tightly closed. The small voice was filled with happiness. Daddy, that's my favorite. At the sound of Amy's voice, Sherry felt relief so intense she thought her knees would buckle. What she had heard was Amy dragging a chair over to the phone so she could talk to her dad. Yet something felt wrong. My God, she's walking in her sleep, Sherry whispered to herself. Gently, ever so gently, she reached out and eased the phone from the tiny hand. We've got to get you back to bed, young lady. Out of habit, Sherry placed the warm plastic against her own ear and stiffened as the now familiar crackling bubbled up. Then came the breathing, ragged and guttural. Revulsion and fear distorted her face as she tried to pull the receiver away, but she was too slow. Time, crawled out of the static, the faint words driving slivers of ice deep into her chest. Who is this? Sherry asked in a fierce low voice. The phone went silent. With nerveless fingers, she hung up. Take it easy, just stay calm. But that wasn't so easy in the face of one simple fact. Even though she had heard a voice speaking on the phone, she didn't remember hearing the phone ring. She was quite certain of that. Pushing down the fright that threatened to overwhelm her, she carried Amy back to bed. She went to the kitchen, took a deep breath, and reached for the phone. It rang. On the fourth ring, she found the courage to pick it up and say hello. Mrs. Elder? A sad-voiced man asked. She made a noise that he took for affirmation. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. The voice paused, and quite suddenly she could hear Michael and Amy talking to each other, their last conversation before Michael left for work. She knew the voices were only in her head, but each word was distinct, and she could make them out quite clearly. The voices bounced back and forth in a crazy counterpoint that was somehow 
more real than the words coming from the phone. The anonymous man continued on, telling her things that couldn't possibly be true. Her life was shattering into fragments that she could never put back into any kind of order. She was helpless as the voices warred for her attention. Daddy, I'll read you a very special story before bedtime, sweetheart. Michael Elder has been involved in an accident. You promise, Daddy? He touched a power line. I promise, Amy. They're rushing him over to County. Do you want us to send someone around to take you? No, I have a car, she heard herself say. When the voice finally went away, Sherry laid her face against the coolness of the kitchen table for a second and tried to blot out all thought. But her mind kept playing back the two words from Amy's phone, over and over. The words that had so painfully emerged from the static were beginning to make sense. Sitting in the oasis of light that spilled through the window, she attempted one last time to convince herself that this was all some kind of mistake. And for a moment, she was almost able to believe. Almost. She clutched her car keys and rose to get Amy. At that instant, the electricity came back on, filling the room with a sudden brightness that hurt her eyes. The television she'd left on for company roared with static, but beneath it was another sound, a phone ringing. Sherry stared at it a long moment before she picked it up and listened. Her eyes filled with dull acceptance when the crackling came again. The crackling that sounded like what? High voltage ripping through flesh? Michael's flesh? Halting, a voice began. Once, then stronger. Upon a time. Michael, stop it, she begged as the tears trickled down. You don't have to read her any more bedtime stories. It's okay, you don't have to. The static rose and fell. There were three bears. The voice continued on in an unrelenting monotone, as if it were a recording that would not, could not, stop until it reached its appointed end. Sherry slammed the phone down and turned to find Amy staring at her with frightened eyes. Who was that, Mommy? Nobody, sweetheart, she said, dabbing her tears. It was just a wrong number. As the sleepy, pajama-clad form ran over and climbed up onto her lap, the phone began to ring again. Sherry sat frozen in the chair, staring straight ahead, waiting for it to stop, praying for it to stop. But over and over, with unceasing regularity, it jangled. The sound seemed to grow louder with each ring. Mommy, aren't you going to answer? No! I've had enough of phones to last a lifetime. She ripped the plug from the wall. The silence was deafening. Releasing a painful breath that she'd been unaware of holding, she pulled Amy close. Come on, kiddo. Let's get you dressed. We've got to get out of here right now. Daddy's waiting for us. But before she could move, the phone began to ring. Have you had any experiences with strange phone calls or other electronics turning on and off, hearing someone in the static on the radio or a television? I'd love to share those experiences on the podcast. Send them in to afterwardsparanormalstories at gmail.com. Please.
This is one of my favorite horror themes, is the communication of spirits. I love stories in films where spirits come through the internet or a cell phone or something to reach someone or kill someone, as in many of the films that I've seen. There are two films I've seen that I really liked. One is called The Host, and it's about a group of people in COVID lockdown that decide to have a seance online with a medium. And of course, things go south. Another one is Unfriended, which is about a girl who committed suicide because of bullying, and her spirit goes after the bullies through social media. There's also a film, One Last Call, and I believe there's a Japanese version of it as well. And it has the creepiest ringtone I've ever heard. But you get this call, and then you have so long to live. When you answer the ringtone, you hear the sounds of your death. Once you get the call, then then the entity goes through your phone and sends it out to all of your contacts, all of your friends. The film is a little bit splooshy. That's my term for gory. But it's still kind of fun to watch. Any films like that that I've forgotten? You can send the title to afterwardsparanormal at gmail.com, or you can post them on the Facebook page. Mrs. Grimley, have you ever tried to use the phone or internet to connect with anyone? Well, both of those are a little bit before my time, but I have tried to use a tin can with a string, you know. It doesn't work very well. Well, keep trying. Maybe you'll be the discoverer of the latest way communicate with the dead. Oh, wouldn't that be spiffy? Don't forget to get those stories in based on those reasons for returning from the dead. Again, it doesn't have to be long. It can even just be an idea. I hope to hear from you soon. That's it for this episode of Afterwards Paranormal. I'm your host, Shelby. Thank you so much for joining me. And as always, I leave the last words for you. Thank you for listening to Afterwards Paranormal Podcast. Please join us on Patreon and Facebook. You can listen to Afterwards Paranormal on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Contact us at afterwardsstories at gmail.com. And remember, the need to be heard never dies. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.